All right, well, good early afternoon and welcome to everybody that's tuning in online via our YouTube channel or listening on our podcast. Thank you so much for dialing in today and thank you to everybody that's here. Last week, I started a series on mental health titled Blind Mind. There are a lot of things I'm going to be talking about as we go forward and I would like to invite each of you to tune in or come on Wednesday night. We will stream it. I'm going to be talking about specifically the deaf and dumb spirit. I'm going to talk about that because a lot of times in our mind we have formulas or patterns in how God wants to deal with spiritual issues in people's life. And how many of you know that many times Jesus just came and wrecked that pattern? And so we have to learn to be spirit-led and we have to understand how important prayer and fasting is. This church is starting a seven-day fast tomorrow. And I believe it is the most important fast that we've had to date for a variety of reasons. I believe that we're getting more unified, we're getting more equipped, and we're preparing for what's coming. And it's important to me that each of you, from a spiritual standpoint, are hearing clearly, seeing clearly, and that you don't have things blocking your heart and mind from experiencing the freedom and the life that God has for you. I talked about fasting last Wednesday, but I'll just say real quick, if you're listening or watching, fasting's not about what we can get, but rather of who we become. Fasting puts us in a position where the cares and the affairs of this world get broken off of our life, and the things that our soul realm keeps running to, hungry stomachs, hungry appetites, things of this world, we desire less, and in turn, we desire him more. It's prayer and fasting. When Jesus said that that kind of spirit, the deaf and dumb spirit that was on the young man that was causing him to not be able to think or speak, he said that spirit only comes out by prayer and fasting. What he wasn't saying was if you pray, pray and fast, you'll get more power and authority to deal with that level of a demon. What he was saying is, is if you pray and fast, you will understand who you are and have greater authority against unbelief in your own life. Because when, the, when Jesus' disciples could not cast out the demon from the epileptic man or in that that word, actually, they didn't have the word epilepsy back in that day. The actual word was lunatic or moonstruck. The mindset was that he was crazy in his head. And we know that it was a demon because the demon was forcing the young man to throw himself into the fire or drown himself in the water. Now, I've dealt with a, a woman who was manifesting a demon. She was a stripper girl that many, many, many years ago, I've shared this story before, God set up an opportunity for me to bust the demon out of her life. But prior to that, the, she was saying, take me to the water, take me to the water, take me to the Arkansas River. I was living in Tulsa at the time. <clears throat> and so what you need to know and understand is that God gives us power and authority, and he wants us to see it clearly and not have unbelief because the disciples couldn't cast it out. And Jesus said, Oh, you faithless and perverse generation. His point was, was that the generation we're living in, not just then but now, is skewed in their thinking, and they're faithless. What prayer and fasting does is gets you dialed in to have confident faith of who you are, who he is, so you can handle every situation accurately. Not every person that has an epileptic seizure is having a demon do it. In fact, there are people that come to this church that battle seizures. 
And if I, I know how much they love Jesus, by the way. And if I just walk up and go, oh, well, you have a demon, come out. I could totally miss God and do damage to that person. That's why we need people that have the mind of Christ and think the way he thinks to understand every situation. So when Jesus said this kind, this understanding of what you're dealing with can only happen when you have mental clarity by the, and spiritual understanding. Do you understand that? So I'm going to talk about that this Wednesday. I'd like to invite you all to come, and I would like to invite you all to start the fast tomorrow. Start doing something, something that challenges you, challenges you, and trade it off with something that is spiritual. So instead of your TV time or your social media time and even eating time, you're spending time in the Word and in prayer, and you're eating from the things that God has given you spiritually so that you can be positioned to where you're supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Last week, I talked about the need to bring comfort to those that are battling mental illness. I also made it clear that our, belief, that our foundation is not a belief system, it's a man. The Bible says Jesus is the cornerstone. And so what people don't need that are battling mental illness or spinning out in their head is just a better belief system. They need an encounter and an experience with a very real person. His name's Jesus. So I'll make it very clear, boldly, with no shame, I'm in love with a man. I'm in love with a man. And I don't have any problem being called a bride, just so y'all know. And until you meet the man and have the experience with Jesus daily, every breath, every minute, and you behold him and you know him, all you will have is a good set of belief systems, and you'll have no foundation. Without the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in your life, all you have is religious modification. You don't need more good ideas, concepts, religious theology. What you need is the man. And you need an understanding of who he is. We do need right belief systems because when you think right, you will live right. I guarantee you anybody that's spinning out is not properly thinking the way that they should. And that's because many people have a wrong theology, thence they have, or they've been taught a wrong theology, so they don't really understand what real love looks like or real family looks like. But we're the ones that are called, we're the tangible expressions to change that. So mental illness, mental illness is plaguing our society, and religion, in many ways, isn't cutting the mustard to set the captives free. We need the person of Jesus. We need to have authentic, authentic experiences of being born again. He's a man that every person has to meet to truly experience real life and freedom the way it's meant to be. One in five Americans will have a mental episode of some sort in any given year. One in five right now. Whether that's minor anxiety, worry, fear, that leads to crazy thinking and actions, drug usage, spinning out of relationships, pornography, whatever it is, one in five Americans will have some sort of mental illness episode in any given year. Mental illness among young adults and teens is at an all-time high. The fastest growing rate of mental illness is amongst teenagers and young adults. 
one in 25 people will battle serious mental disorders. And I'm not talking a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear, and a few sleepless nights. I'm talking about manic depressive, bipolar. I'm talking about schizophrenia. I'm talking about serious psychosis type issues. One in 25 people are really spinning out. When people go crazy in their mind, they go crazy in the things of this world. They spin out on drugs, alcohol, opioid addictions. Today, 130 people will die from an opioid overdose. The last several years, the most prescribed medications have been anti-anxiety medications and heart medications. The number one most prescribed medication today is an opioid drug called Vicodin. It's the number one most prescribed drug. It's an opioid. It's a pain reliever. So people are experiencing pain, and there's all kinds of reasons for that, but they take medications and drugs, or hydrocodone. Sorry, I might have said it wrong for the nurses that are here. I got some looks. Hydrocodone and other pain relievers and opioids to comfort themselves. Divorce rates, marriages spinning out, even in this church, probably our largest gap is we need help with marriages and family. A lot of marriages are going through extreme difficult times and people are at odds ends with each other and reflecting anger and hurt and pain and shame at each other. Joblessness. Did you know that, teen, that uh, Nueces County is one of the highest counties in the nation for teen pregnancy? When we had our first child and we went to the parenting class, which they didn't want to let us go unless we took it, so we went the first time, not the second time. When we sat in the classroom with all the parents that were having babies that day, it was packed. There's about 50 people in the room, and I don't think one of them was over 20. Children are having children, and children that have been fatherless and don't have any narrative or bearing of what healthy family looks like are having babies at right now in our hospitals. Human trafficking, pornography. Pornography, in my mind, and human trafficking are one and the same. Human trafficking is in all of our backyards. Don't kid yourself. Women are being held captive by prominent, wealthy business executives who pay to play every day. Our, the, the Asian massage parlors are often covert, not all, but most, are covert undercover operations for human trafficking. Billionaires, owners of football teams, leaders of boys and girl clubs, youth ministers and youth pastors are getting busted in stings. And even people that have visited my coffee shop here locally have been busted for us for child pornography. It's under our noses. Childhood abuse and traumatic life events and genetic heredity from our family line are the top contributing factors to mental illness. So if you do your research, what you're gonna find is that the, the professional medical world attributes mental illness and disease and sickness, of course, to genetic things passed down through your bloodline. The other common attributing factors are childhood abuse or traumatic life events. Some people have had childhood abuse or traumatic life events that they've never been able to overcome. 
and what gets attached to it is fear, shame, inadequate belief systems about who they are, and then people live their lives spun out of control because they never get renewed, transformed, healed, or they never come into a family to see what normal looks like. Anxiety and depression and substance abuse are identified as the leading cause for suicide amongst teens. Every 16, 16 minutes, somebody will kill themselves. That's the statistic in our nation. People are fatherless, hopeless, faithless, and without families to love and guide them to health and wholeness. Most of us have been, maybe, or will encounter somebody who's fatherless. Which I believe fatherlessness is the number one contributing factor to the issues in our society. Because people aren't raised in a nourishing home with a mother and a father that's flamed on spiritually for God, that's not manipulating and controlling in a religious way, but brings the supernatural element of love, care, and compassion, and all the great things of who God is into their life. They don't see normal. They don't see what real love looks like. They don't get the nourishment, the care. And that was the case for so many of us. And if it wasn't the case for you, praise God. But there's people that are going to walk in here that are spun out. My hope and prayer is that the statistic of this church, that one in five people are spinning out on mental illness, that that statistic is not presently here. But what I'm telling you is that it is with some, and there's a lot more coming. So we need to get healthy to help those that are coming. Because the truth is, is that though we should be experiencing revival in that our lives here should be flaming on for Jesus and normalcy and health and wholeness, we are a microcosm of what's about to come. And God's not going to let this church go where it's supposed to go until we get unified and get the foundation that we're supposed to have and get healthy to sustain what's coming. Because if we're battling and not getting healthy and getting whole and we expand, it will crush us. That's also the case for your personal life. God wants to expand you internally so that he can expand you externally. And we ask God for more, 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 more. And he says, I can't give you more because the more will kill you. So first, I want to make you healthy and I want to make you whole. That's why this church has to get unified. We can't go. The money is not going to come in to expand or to do the things we're called to do until we learn to get unified because God's not into Lone Ranger mentalities and us doing it on our own. We're going to encounter people that are fatherless. And all the while, God the Father is pushed out and away from our education systems and pushed out from mainstream society in an increasingly alarming rate. So what we need the most, people are rejecting and pushing away. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more today. Adults living with serious mental illness, you may not know this, but adults living with serious mental illness are substantially more prone to experiencing chronic disease in their physical body. The statistics show that somebody that doesn't get healed by severe mental illness will have 25 years shaved off their life. They're sick, they're hurting, they're spun out, 
Many of us are here, we've overcome, we've recovered. You're not just in recovery, some are in recovery, and some are coming that need to get in the process of recovery. But the enemy's on the mission to get us to spin out and to kill ourselves, suicide, to numb out, to drug out, and to die prematurely. The sad part of the condition that's going on inside of people's head and hearts is that it's treatable. There is an answer. There is an answer. The real major issue plaguing our society is that people aren't getting the help they need, and there are many reasons for it. People just simply aren't getting the help that they need. Why? Well, first, there's a stigma associated with, with mental illness. We have to break that. Fear, shame, prejudice. People don't know where to go or where to turn. And most people can't afford the cost of treatment, by the way. Psychiatrists, therapists, psychologists at $100-something an hour, the medications, it's expensive. And if people don't have insurance, it's very difficult for them to get the help that they need. They also can have a lack of support. With HIPAA regulations, most people, most children, sons and daughters can't find out what's going on with a family member that's spinning out on mental illness if they don't give consent. And if they have fear and shame, you don't know. And most of the time, they're not really seeing one doctor, and most doctors can't even remember your name. There's been a lack of support system for, from friends and family. So we have to become a support system. We've also had a broken, we have not had a broken mental health system. Currently, right now, there are no beds available at Bayview. They're shutting down the mental health, the psych ward at Memorial, and it's insane to go there if you've ever been there, and I have, to visit people. More often than not, people that are severely mental will get drugs, medications, about two days of uh, recovery, and then sent back out into their same world that they came from. It's broken. Currently, if somebody has a mental health issue, they're sent to another local hospital in town that has no beds, and you will sit in a chair in the lobby or on a stretcher in a lobby. Spun out in your mind. No friends, no hospital visits, nobody there to encourage them, comfort them, guide them, advise them, and love them through it. That has to stop. The church system has struggled to provide real help and answers. But that's changing, and that changes right now. Amen? Amen? Last week, I made it clear that the church should be able to work in tandem with professionals in the medical field, psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, and therapists, and there should be no shame in getting the help that you need, nor is there shame in taking medications that bring health and normalcy to your life. Have I made that clear so I can move forward from that? Now, I also don't believe that you should just run to a pill or a medication or a therapist. I believe Jesus is the answer. And the challenge is, for a lot of Christians, they haven't done all. And so in Ephesians 6, I taught this not long ago. Scripture says that we fight against the enemy and we do all. And having done all, we still stand. But the challenge is, is most people don't do all. Most people in the Western Americanized world are workaholic 
are workaholics. And we chase careers, and we chase the things of this world, and we chase money, we chase friendships, we chase the spirit of this age, things, stuff, acceptance by how we look, what we wear, and then we identify ourselves by what other people say or bad experiences that have happened in our life. And then the devil sneakily comes in and then fuels that fire to say that you're crazy, they don't love you, Jesus doesn't exist, did God really say? It's the same old tactics and plan that he had when he was in the garden. And so we need to work with people, and we need to not enable you. That means I love you clearly, and I don't beat you up, but I also challenge you to live differently. I also made it clear that I believe without Jesus, therapists and counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists can only take you so far, and that by itself, I have very little faith in it, personally. Because if somebody's telling you how to think, act, and live, and behavior modify you without Jesus, it'll always be behavior modification. It's, it's scary to me for some, to have somebody tell you how to think, love, live, and act without Jesus. And I make no shame in saying that, because anything without Jesus is behavior modification. It's self-help. And you can only self-help for so long. Now, sometimes people need to be in an environment that is focused on behavior modification. Sometimes people need maybe one of the, uh, uh, it's broken, but I need a behavior modif modification. In my own life, it was called prison, just so you all know. And even going to prison and getting sober or going to a rehab, which fully behavior modifies you, because if you're harming yourself or harming others, you need to be put in a place where you can stop harming yourself. But without Jesus, or harming others, but without Jesus, you'll never actually be transformed. So thank God for me, when I got into prison, I met Jesus head on. And my life was never the same. Sometimes we need behavior modification, but the behavior modification always has to point to the man. Do you understand? What we desperately need is born-again therapists that have the freedom to share their faith and impart that to others. Wouldn't you say? You know, I, I've met so many young adults that have absolutely no idea what they're going to do with their life. And they're going to college, spending a lot of money. And when most young adults don't know what they really want to do, but they're going to college, they get a psychology degree. <laughs> Sorry, I, that may not have been very nice. But I like, <laughs> just hear me out. I'm not kidding you. What are you going to do? I, you're in college. What are you studying? I don't know. Psychology. Listen, it's truth no matter how you slice or dice it, okay? What I want to say to you is that's awesome if you really love people and want to help people. And what we need are licensed therapists and counselors that are born again. And what we need is a church full of people that are equipped and trained both in the natural and in the spirit to help people. 
And it's okay if you get a degree in psychology and didn't actually use it, which happens a lot, but you used it in the kingdom or in God's house. And I wouldn't recommend any of you go through the university system without Jesus. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. That could be a fun rabbit trail for me, but I will stay on point. <laughs> the body of Christ, a.k.a. the church, has to be the standard bearer when it comes to what kingdom family and life should look like in a normal way. We are the ones that should be setting the standard of what normal life and family looks like. In the marketplace, in the church house, but most importantly, in your home. In fact, the Bible says if you can't take care of your own house, you can't take care of God's house. People need living, tangible expressions. They have no concept of what normal looks like based on a healthy example, especially in the context of biblical and spiritual living. They need healing, and we should be the ones that give it to them. With this in mind, people need a tangible expression of Jesus' love and power that's authentic, compassionate, caring, holistic, in regards to the fullness of who he is. Some, what people need is somebody they can touch, look at, and talk to that embodies and is possessed by Jesus. We become his hands and feet and the embodiment of Christ to them. That means the standard expectation of my life is high just like it was on the Apostle Paul's life in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Our children are imitators. It's funny how many kind of nuances and words our kids pick up from us. Like my daughter, she's picked up this word, seriously? My son is saying, come on, people. Let's go, people. That's me. Let's go, people. It's go time. They're four and six. Our children must have patterns to imitate. Let's just say for a moment, forget the harvest that's coming in of people spun out. How about your kids? And if you're a single parent, I'm going to be believing and praying for you to meet a godly man that's on fire, that loves Jesus and will honor you in, in the way that God honored his bride so that you can fall in love and marry and demonstrate the right way to your children and the people around you of what health looks like. That's not going to try to get in your pants. I'll be having some frank conversations with my kids, just so you know. My wife's hilarious. I'm going to tell on you right now. <laughs> we, 
we were hanging out. We had some mamas over at our house the other night. We were having some good Mexican food. Something came up. You want to tell the story? It's hilarious. My, my daughter came up and talk, talked about, because uh, we watched, hang on. You want to tell it? Okay, stand up. My wife, everybody, see? You never know what's going to happen. He's, he's butchering the story. So we had a little boy over, and for some reason, Cadence was like, kiss my doll, and holding her doll around. I was like, making the kissing noise. I was like, what's happening? What's with the kissing? <laughs> she came over to me, and well, I pulled her over. I was like, hey, babe, let's not do the kissing thing. It's just not an appropriate thing to do. And she's like, why? I was like, well, we don't kiss. Like, when we're not, boys and girls don't kiss until they get married. She goes, well, why do they kiss when they're married? To make babies. That's all you need to know. So don't kiss. <laughs> don't kiss unless you want to be married and make babies. So now Amen. she'll randomly say, like, they kiss. Like, in a movie, she's like, so they got married. So we're the ones that set the standard for people to follow. They need a tangible expression, and it's not formulistic. Some people might need help from a therapist and medication to get them to think straight and be able to dial in. You know, I pretty much take a drug every day. It's called coffee. <laughs> I went to my doctor many years ago. I've told this story before. Many years ago, somebody gave me an Adderall. Can you just imagine me on an Adderall? <laughs> if you think I hug you now. <laughs> so I go to my doctor. I said, man, I think I have ADD. Because I'm meeting with people in about the third meeting. My brain is spaghetti brain, and I can't focus, and I'm all over there, and I'm seeing. You know, I have a message I want to title in this series called Squirrel. How many of you would like to hear that message? Right, exactly. And I'm like all over the place and I'm dealing with people's issues and struggles and challenges and meltdowns. And you know, after about the third, fourth meeting, I'm just like fried out. So he, so he says, well, tell me about your past. And I'm like, oh, you had to go there, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, Grateful Dead. He goes, well, were you ever addicted to drugs? I said, I was selling drugs. He goes, there's not a chance I'm prescribing you Adderall, just so that you know. He says, your life doesn't sound that much different to me. He says, except I'm dealing with people that are really actually physically dying, like dead. And he says, one of the best things for a guy like you is coffee. Now, I'm not telling you all to go get addicted to caffeine. I just want you guys to know. And I know it's like, man, this church has such an addiction problem of coffee. Listen, don't be a coffee addict unless you're going to coffee waves. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just having some fun with you. know, I make addicts and I break addicts. It's a perfect world. Listen, the next, don't talk to me the next seven days. Just let me let y'all know, all right? No, I consistently go on coffee fast, not just here when we're doing it corporately. I don't want to have anything that's controlling me or a stimulant that I have to have, but I will tell you, I sure enjoy it, and I think the Lord does too.
personally. So my point I'm trying to make to you is that I want you dialed in, and I want you to be able to focus, and I want you to be able to be healthy. I think the greatest remedy for that is Jesus and the mind of Christ, just so that you know. And that's what I want to do is I want to get this church spiritually minded. I want to get you out of being carnally minded, which leads to death, and get you into the spirit so that we can renew your mind and you start to think right. And the Bible gives plenty of answers, and I'm going to be teaching them for you some today. If we don't provide solutions to what's happening with mental illness, then we become a part of the problem. We actually fuel the problem. If we sit idly by and do nothing, how can we expect people to get the desperate help that they need and make productive changes for their life and for the lives of those around them? Because when people are spinning out, it doesn't just hurt them, it hurts their own family and friends. The answer is we can't. We can't sit idly by. Jesus did something about it. And he's still working today to bring health and wholeness to the world around us. How? Through his family. People need two things. They need Jesus and they need us. Somebody that they can look in the eyes and say, this is what normal looks like, sounds like, acts like. And not doing it to bring uniformity, but rather to bring unity. We're not recloning people. We're making people to be, helping people to be more like Jesus. We can bring physical comfort to those that are hurting and broken. And the scripture mandates that we Love people right where they're at without any expectations of getting something in return. That's the understanding that love has no hooks. Because if my sole mission is to convert you, I'm not really loving you. Because love will convert people. If you're hurting and broken or spinning out, or especially if you're battling pornography... If anybody here is battling pornography, I'm pleading with you to do something. Please, find somebody that you can trust and love and confess it. I don't care if you've got to catch me for a minute and say, listen, I'm, I'm battling. Just give me the look. I, I understand. Most people don't want to ever be called out when they're in shame. But I'm asking you to bring it to the light because the minute you bring things into the light, whatever your struggle is, is the minute you defy the darkness. Just, even just in the simple confession. That's why James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another so that what? You would be healed. It means that I'm not keeping anything hidden in the dark and it means that I'm walking in constant forgiveness. You know how many times you're supposed to forgive in a day? 70 times 7. You know how often that is? Just so that you'll always remember this, it's every three minutes. So the next time you get angry or offended, you got about a minute and a half to get right. Do you understand? Love covers a multitude of sins. 
And love is what people really need, real, authentic love. However, without the Father and the understanding of fatherhood, without Jesus and the Holy Spirit actively working in your life on a daily basis, your love and comfort can only go so far. And sometimes your love and comfort becomes enabling. Now, we have to be, I'm not going to look at anybody. (laughs) We have to be extremely patient and long-suffering with people because some people are really stubborn and (laughs) hard-headed. Okay? Somebody, some of y'all just take a little longer than others. And I'll love you, but I can't coddle your sin. And I can only comfort you so far. My love will never be enough. Amber's love for me will never be enough. Your love for your spouse will never be enough. But Jesus is enough. And Jesus' love transcends and goes beyond any comfort I could ever bring. So it has to be both. Amen? You have to be patient and never give up. At the same time, we have to stay on point with the message and the mission. We have to stay on point with the message and the mission. The world without Jesus attempts to bring wisdom and understanding that doesn't come from above. It also has no power to transform, and it has no spiritual revelation. Now, you can get revelation on earth. Revelation about science, revelation of how things work. You can get some incredible understandings. But when it comes to spiritual wisdom from above, the world can't get it, nor does it know it. It will only know systems, processes, and belief systems that lead you to behavior modification if there's not a transformation that goes on in your head. Now, I'm going to show this to you. The Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about how worldly wisdom and the wisdom of this world is foolishness, and it can never transform people's lives. So we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, we're not preaching the wisdom of this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, we're going to read from the Passion Translation. He says, instead of talking the way the world talks, instead of trying to bring help or wisdom to your life the way that the world system does, he says, instead, we continually speak of the wonderful wisdom that comes from God that has been hidden before now in a mystery. You know what a mystery is? A mystery is something concealed. And he says, it is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory. Let me help you understand this. You know what it means to be brought into glory? It means that I'm now more like him. It means that the image and nature of who he is is what I have become. So what I want more than anything is if you look at me and you hear me, my greatest dream and desire is that you would see Jesus that you would hear Jesus, and that what I could do is bring a mystery from heaven and lift the lid, take a concealed matter. See, the secret plan is not like this. Jeremy, i got to tell you a secret, but I don't want you to tell anybody. The secret plan 
has been revealed through Jesus, but the only way that you're going to get it is if the lid gets lifted off your mind and the Holy Spirit comes and reveals it to you. Follow me. God had a secret plan to make us more like him. I'll paraphrase it for you. He wants us to be in his image. So he had a mystery which was revealed through Christ on the cross, which was revealed through his people, and now I speak it. Verse 8. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of shining glory. The word shining glory is in the entire New Testament only used here. The point is, is that Jesus was crucified shining in glory, but the people didn't see it because they were blind, and they didn't know, nor did they understand. It's moral blindness. That same moral blindness is crucifying, in a sense, Jesus today or will crucify you. You can't expect the world to understand you. You can try, and you can bring natural examples to bring heavenly understandings. It's what Jesus did in John 3. I'm going to read it to you. But the point that he's making is that Jesus' glory shined bright, and they couldn't see it. Now, Jesus' glory is supposed to shine bright in us to bring help and hope to people that don't understand it. Verse 9. This is why the Scripture says, Things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are the many things God has in store for those who love him. The, the King James, or New King James says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. The understanding is that God has prepared something for you because he loves you. But until the lid is lifted and you're born again, you will not have an understanding, see it, or know it, and it will not enter into your heart. That's why if you're not born again, I literally could be speaking Chinese to you right now. You, you can't grasp the concept and the transformation without being born again. You won't see. I'll do my best to give you natural understandings, but until the lid is lifted and the mystery is revealed, you won't get it. And that's why it says, no, I has seen, no is heard. You know, people use this scripture a lot to comfort somebody. You're going through a diff real difficult time, a tragedy or a crisis, and people say, oh, look, man, God's got something great for you. I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. That's not scriptural. Because look at the next verse. This is, but God now unveils these profound realities. How? Your answer for the next several questions is the Holy Spirit, all right? This is your answer. So say it when I ask you, please. God unveils these profound realities to us. How? By the Holy Spirit. It's a profound reality. Anybody not living with Jesus and born again in the Holy Spirit is living in an in a altar reality. Of course you're going to spin out. Can you imagine not having the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding? I don't care how good you think you are. Mark my words. There's a reason why the world is spinning out the way it is. And you take Jesus out of the equation and the Holy Spirit 
In fact, there's a lot of Christians that aren't being spirit-led. They're living like orphans. You know how an orphan lives? I'm always going to watch my back. I'm always going to fight for myself, and I'm going to get what's mine. And yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm blowing up, manifested, self-preserving, and I got fear and shame, and I'm not really trusting a dad and a father as a son would trust. You've got to stop living like an orphan. So the realities, the profound realities are revealed to us how? By the Holy Spirit. And he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries, how? So God reveals the depths of his heart, and he reveals what has been hidden. How does he reveal it? We're going to really get this inside of you guys today. Because the Holy Spirit has the deepest mysteries of God inside of him, and he's always exploring all things. So how many of you are in exploration mode? We all should be. How many of you got questions? We all should have questions. How many of us need answers? We all should need answers. So who's exploring all things? I'd ask you a lot of questions. The answers are going to always be the Holy Spirit. Just, I'll keep it real simple for you. Just say the Holy Spirit. I got to beat the drum of the Holy Spirit so you get an understanding. Otherwise, you're going to have a belief system, and you're going to try to behave your modify and think yourself through it. Verse 11. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So he's using a comparison here. He's saying this. Alex only really knows what's going inside, on inside Alex's head. Now, some people are spun out. They don't have any idea. But the thoughts that they're thinking, the feelings that they're feeling, they, only their spirit really knows that. I can't get into somebody's head. But Jesus can. But the point he's trying to make is, is your spirit understands, thinks, and processes, and knows what's going on inside of you better than anybody else. So he says, likewise, in that same fashion, God's spirit, his thoughts and his secrets are only fully understood how? So the spirit of God understands the depth of himself. And you know what he does? He reveals that to us. Verse 12. For we didn't receive the spirit of this world system, but we received the what? The Holy Spirit. So that we might come to understand and experience all the grace that God has lavished upon us. We need an understanding and we need an experience. Because once you experience it, it changes you. Once you experience Jesus, once you have an encounters, once you are authentically born again, baptized in water, baptized in the spirit, experiencing him in worship. Worship should always be an experience. You have an opportunity all the time to experience who God is. And he says what happens is, is that God gives us who? So that we could come to understand and experience how much God has lavished upon us. His grace, his empowerment, his care, his love. Verse 13. And we, you're going to love this. We articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by who? 
and not with words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Let me explain it to you. God speaks to me from the heavenly realms. It's spirit-revealed truths inside of me. And when I open my mouth to help any person in their situation, I speak spirit-revealed words. Now I'm not trying to give you the five steps to overcome your issue. Now I'm not trying to behavior modify you. Sometimes you may need some behavior modification, and I'll give you some instructions of things to do. But really what we're doing is we're calling out things in our lives by the Holy Spirit who knows you better than anybody, and I'm speaking to the core root of the issue that transforms you so that you wake up. If it doesn't come from heaven, if it doesn't come from above, it's only coming from my human wisdom. You cannot fix yourself without Jesus. I can't help you without Jesus. So I'm getting spirit-revealed truths given to me that I have plowed for in advance, which is why we have to stop being reactive and start being proactive. Our prayer life happened this morning. When crisis hits, I'm already in position for prayer. I'm already communicating. I'm already dialed in. I'm being spirit-led. Every breath, every minute, every second. You can do this. Most people don't pay the price for it, but you will. I believe in you. Get extreme. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what your family says against you. You can do it. You don't have to live a life chasing the mighty dollar and being extreme or trying to build friends. Pursue Jesus, and he'll bring the right people into your life. And he'll give you the spirit-revealed realities of what's going on so that you have a so that you have articulation to speak out the right things. Verse 14. Someone living on an entirely human level does what? Rejects the revelations of God's who? For they make no sense to him. I can't expect somebody that's not born again to understand the supernatural reality that I live in. They're going to think you're crazy. The world's already going down the path of if you claim to hear God's voice, because men, the devil's plan has been to say God didn't really say, and then people in God's name murder their family, and God told me to do it. And they're like, we got to get you to stop hearing voices. Not every voice in your head is the Lord. So when people reject the revelation of God's spirit, what happens? The things of God make no sense. You can't understand the revelations of who? Because they're only discovered by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Think of this word, illumination, in the mind. Discover who God is. It only happens by who? Not human wisdom. And if your thinking and speaking is not spirit-led, mark my words, it's human wisdom. The best thing I can do today is point you to the absolute truth of God's Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. Because most of us, when we're in crisis, pick up the phone to call a friend. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't call a friend. But imagine if you were dialing Jeremiah 33.3. That's God's hotline. 
call unto me, and I will answer you. He picks up the phone, everybody. But we got to learn to walk by faith. Says, I cried out to God. He didn't talk to me. Well, first of all, we got 66 books by th over 36 authors where he talked to you. Second of all, if you got right friends in your life, they'll talk to you the right way. Instead of uh, coddling you and say, well, maybe you shouldn't have, and I'll just leave it at that. So the revelation only comes from the Spirit. Verse 15, it's a discovery and an illumination. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things. How many of you just like that verbiage, carefully evaluate? My wife really likes that, which she turned me on to the Passion Translation, by the way. To carefully, if you're living in the Spirit, let's say this together, live in the Spirit. What happens? You're able to carefully evaluate all things, and they're subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? You know who has? Jesus. And that's why the next verse says, most versions say, but we have the mind of Christ. If you don't get the mind of Christ activated in your life by the Holy Spirit through being born again, you're living in behavior modification. Now, you, if you are strung out on drugs, you may need to go to a rehab so you can think straight. If you're having serious manic episodes, get to a therapist or a counselor, and you might need some medication so you can think straight. But then you better get into God's word and get help from people that will lift you and build you the right way so that you can be fully whole and have the main thing, the main thing. <clears throat> we possess Christ's perceptions. We have the mind of Christ, the way he thinks, the way he acts, the way he lives. When you get born again, you get the mind of Christ. John chapter 3, verse 2, in the Passion Translation, one night Nicodemus, discreetly a religious leader, came to Jesus and said, Master, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power with, is with him. Wouldn't you love people to come to you this way? Wouldn't you love somebody to come and say, I've been watching your life. I've watched how much you've changed. You used to be doing these things, but now I'm watching how much has flipped and switched, and you're walking in God's power. You had to have How did you do it? What did you do? Give me the steps. I need the formulistic thinking you know, what do I need to do? Give me my plan so that I can be like you. That's what it's saying. I want to walk in that. I want to, I'm seeing what's changing you. I want to be changed too. Nobody could do what you're doing. Nicodemus comes at night. What in the world's he doing at night? Either A, he's hiding so no one sees him, or B, he was out carousing like he shouldn't need to be, and it crushed him down. He's like, I got to go to this teacher. I don't know exactly what. But many Pharisees were busted for prostitution. It was a, sadly a common thing. So what does Jesus say? Verse 3. Jesus says, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. I love that. It's an eternal truth from heaven. Here's the eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. So what he's saying is, is without the rebirth, you can't know, 
you can't see. You'll stay, more, you'll stay blinded until the rebirth happens. You won't see, you won't know, you won't perceive. And look at what Nicodemus says in verse 4. Rebirth, how can a gray-headed man be reborn? It's impossible for a man to go back into the womb a second time and be reborn. This is natural thinking. Verse 5. Jesus answered and said, I speak an eternal truth. Period. It's an eternal truth that comes from heaven. It never fades away. It lasts forever. This is the ultimate truth. Unless you're born of water and spirit wind, I love that. You know what spirit wind is? The breath of God transforming you. Spirit wind. You'll never enter God's kingdom realm. If you don't get born of the spirit, you're never going to enter God's kingdom realm. I love this verse 6 so much. Man, meditate on this one. For the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to what kind of life? Who would like to live a supernatural life? And until we're born again, there's no supernatural life. He says, verse 7, you shouldn't be amazed at my statement. You must be born from where? Where do we get born from? Everybody say above. So God comes on us, we get born again, and now I have perceptions and realities and the things that Jesus did, I can do. Notice Jesus didn't give a five-step plan. Now, if you tithe, if you read your Bible enough, if you worship, if you pray, if you do this, 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 he says, look, if you want to have what I had, it starts with being born again. That's step one. And until somebody gets to the place of total surrender, there's only so much that you can help them. Should you still love them? Yes. Should you still be their friend? Yes. But should you be hanging out with them all the time, going to the clubs? No. Our most inner circle of friendships should always be people that will pull you higher. It doesn't mean I don't love them, go to lunch with them, hang out with them, but they're not my closest friends. Because I surround myself with people that are going to build me up and edify me. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. We're going to jump to verse 9. Nicodemus replied, I am so lost, right? You just totally lost me. I am so, I don't even understand what you're saying. You just talked to me about being born again and being born from above and spirit wind. I mean, what in the world are you talking about? How does it happen? Look what Jesus said. Nicodemus, you're supposed to be the respected teacher in Israel, and yet you don't understand. Jesus just calls him right out. You think you, I have an awesome message I'm going to preach in this series called The Ditch. You know what the ditch is? The blind leading the blind. We're going to get some of y'all out of the ditch. I promise you, all right? We're going to get you out of the ditch. And get you unstuck. <clears throat> Verse 11, I speak eternal truths about things I know and things I've seen and experienced. Man, you just can't even get it better than that. John 
in 1 John says, I'm speaking things I've touched and handled and seen myself. That's what I'm giving to you. That I've received, I give to you. Ministry is transference of life. And you can't give life to somebody else unless you have life for yourself. Transference of life in me and out of me. I'm receiving it and I'm giving it. And Jesus says, what I'm saying to you, what I'm articulating to you, is coming from the Holy Spirit above my spirit. He's revealing it to me, and I'm speaking it to you. It's things I know, and things I see, and it's things I experience. You must have a know, see, and experience in your life. And even if he's telling it, and you don't accept what he reveals, you're rejecting it. And that's what Nicodemus was doing. He's like, you can't even accept what I'm saying to you. And then he makes this profound statement in verse 12. If you're unable to understand and believe what I've told you about the natural realm, how much are you going to know and understand? How much will you do? What will you do when I begin to unveil the heavenly realm? You... If I'm trying to bring it down to you in most straightforward, modern-day vernacular, I'm doing, man, am I really trying hard today and every day. But if you reject it and don't understand this is a spiritual experience that transforms you, and you reject it, you're never going to get the more. I can't even go there with the deeper revelations of the Spirit. It's like you're not even getting what I'm saying in the natural. And I loved how Jesus made a point. I'm going to tell you natural examples called parables to help you understand spiritual implications. Your life is like an oil well, but you've been stopped up. So I'm going to come in with some explosive dynamite. So I'm going to get my buddy David Walker, and he's going to fire the gun and blow you up on the inside. And we're going to bust out that hard heart, and we're going to bring some frack, fracking right inside of you. And you're going to bust out. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take some dynamite. I'm going to bust open the crevices so the oil and gold inside of you will rush out. You're like, crack me open then, let's roll. Do you understand? I'm just going to redo you a little of this, and then we're going to pray for you. Romans 8, 1, so now the case is closed. Everybody say, the case is closed. Come on, say it together. Some of you didn't say it. The case is closed. The case is closed, meaning this. There's no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. Everybody struggling mental illness, mark my words, has an accusation in their head. No matter what the pain is, it's shame, it's lies, it's deception, and the enemy works it. You're such a screw-up, they abuse you because of what you did, it was your fault. Most, peop- most women in abusive relationships stay with the abuser because they play the victim mentality and they think they're the ones that did something wrong or they don't know how to get out of it or break out of it or where else to go. Let me tell you, if you are in an abusive relationship, you get to one of these mamas or papas in this church and you let them know so we can help you and start the process of getting you free. The accuser, the voice of the accuser is night and day. The voice of the accuser is every minute. So God gave you a greater voice. Let's all say a greater voice. And what is his name? Jesus, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That's right. (laughs) Trying to get you guys on point with the Holy Spirit today. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union. 
So what I've got to do is get you to the anointed one. What I've got to get is a life joining with Jesus so that that lying thing in your head can stop. You've got to get a greater voice. You've got to get a greater voice. One that speaks truth to you and counsels you and comforts you. And I'll speak it. And family and friends here will speak it. But you need to join your life together with Jesus fully, completely, and listen to the Holy Spirit and so to the Spirit. Verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus liberates you from the law of sin and death. So the anointed one, Jesus, puts an anointing on your life and it sets you free from fleshly sin, which brings the law of sin and death into your life. I'm set free. Here's how you're set free. This is the law of the spirit of life. It's called transformation by the Holy Spirit. See, the Old Testament, no one could ever be transformed. It's called the law of sin and death or the law of flesh. You know why? Nobody was being changed like we are today. Some people were picked out, patriarchs. But my point is this on a mass scale, we now have the Holy Spirit. So I'm set free from the law of sin and death. I now live by the law of liberty and life because Jesus lives in me. I'm changed. He wants to change you. Verse 3. God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish. How? Well, first you have to realize the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Human nature could never do what was expected in the law. You know why? No transformation. But guess what? I can now honor the Torah. I can honor God's ex expectations and live the way he's called me to live because I have transformation. Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness. That's so powerful. So God sent his son to come into human form so he could identify with the struggle that you're going through. Verse 4. Now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living in his life and living his life in us. So when Jesus comes in me, I fulfill every requirement of the law. And now I'm free to live. Everybody say, I'm free to live. Okay, when you get born again, you are what? Free. free to live. That's right. Not according to our flesh, but, oh man, this is so good. But by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. You should be living in dynamic. If you are a Christian, let me tell you the ultimate way to live your life. Not hoping you make it each day. And if you are, I'm gonna, we'll help you through it. Let me raise the bar for you. The life we're to live is dynamic, and it's full of power. By who? The Holy Thank you. Man, you guys are get, really getting it. <laughs> Verse 5. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Just, just so, let me read it again. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits them. They live like orphans. But those who live by the impulses, the heartbeat, 
the mindset, the thinking, the direction, and the guidance are motivated to chase after, to aggressively take hold of everyday spiritual realities. Man, yeah! Woo! Am I the only one fired up by that? Who wants to pursue spiritual realities with me? I'm going on a journey and an adventure. I love discovering spiritual realities, don't you? But if you're living by the flesh, you're going to die. Look at the next verse. The mindset of the flesh is what? But the mindset controlled by who? Maybe you guys will really get this before we go today. The mindset controlled by the Spirit, what do they find? Who would like some life and peace? I mean, like, who would like awesome life and peace? Not controlled by religiosity, fear, worry, anxiety, none of those things. But, but controlled by the presence and the power and the dynamic life and the mind of Christ. And now I'm doing and I'm being everything God's called me to be. And so you got to see this. Another version says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, which is the title of my message today, is life and peace. And if we're going to really tackle mental health, we've got to get people spiritually minded. And you need to be spiritually minded. Verse 7. In fact, I love this. The mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction. That's why Jesus said, if you want to be a disciple, you need to do three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And I get it. Your flesh is screaming out. It wants the arms of another. It wants a drug, a drink, a pill. It wants somebody, something, someone, somewhere, somehow to comfort me. You don't understand what's happening in my mind and what's spinning out. Actually, I do because I probably heard most of, not everything, but most. I've heard some crazy stuff. And here's what I know is God has the ability to renew your mind, and he has the ability to renew you in the spirit of your mind. What he does is he comes and he transforms you, and he brings healing to those hurts and those pains by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than any weapon, anything you could ever think of. I'll say it a little louder. The blood of Jesus can set you free and drive back the enemy. Now, I've ticked off some demons by saying the blood of Jesus, if you really want to pick a fight with somebody that's spinning out and got some demonic strongholds, just, with, just say in their ear, the blood of Jesus. The devil hates the blood of Jesus, just so you know. The blood of Jesus is like nuclear napalm. The blood of Jesus is apocalypse now. It will blow up the things in your life and mind systems and belief systems and demonic strongholds all day long. My greatest weapon is the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and the blood of Jesus. Bring it on, people. Let's set some captives free. Come on. You got to get a new focus. Let's say it today. I got to get a new focus. You got to stop focusing on yourself and the flesh and stop resisting God. Some of you are resisting God. And you're refusing to submit to his direction or you're refusing to submit to the direction that comes from a pastor, a shepherd, God's people. Because in your mind, you can't be controlled by anybody or nobody can tell you what to do. 
That's not God's plan, nor is it God's way. Verse 8. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. And verse 9 is a very profound statement, and I want to make it clear, and I'm going to drive this point home. We're going to pray. When the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you're not dominated by the flesh, but you're dominated by who? Let's all say this together. Say, I need to be dominated. Dominate me, Lord. Some of you are like, you're never going to dominate me. You got to break down pride. He empowers your life so that you're not dominated by the flesh, but dominated by who? Let's say it this way. Say, I need to be dominated. And if you're not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, oh, man, we can't cut this little part out for every universalist that's out there. You've got to understand until somebody's born again and the spirit of God is inside of them, what's the scripture say? So I'm on a mission to get everybody I know of him. And I'm going to do that by loving well, living right, trusting him, and bringing spiritual realities into the natural realm and speaking spirit reality words into people's life and, bre- and breaking my own human wisdom or the human wisdom of this world and getting heavenly, spiritual, eternal truths inside of me. Isn't that so good? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. And we're going to pray here in a minute, and I want to thank everybody that dialed in and tuned in. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Stay tuned, because this is only going to get better from here. Before we pray for you, we're going to pray out a couple that I totally got into the flow and forgot, but I would be amiss to not do it. So please, if you guys would be patient with me, I'd li- like to ask uh, Sterling and Leah Harris and their beautiful baby, Gracie, to come up here right now. Come on. Now, we don't pray everybody out on a Sunday morning, but we'll pray this couple out. Come right over here. They are moving. Yeah. Uh, They are headed to Austin to help take care of Leah's dad. They know that the Lord's leading them. They've had supernatural encounters every step of the way. We've put our stamp of support into their life. They're leaving right. They've been leaders, lovers, worshipers. They have an incredible call of God on their life. We've prophesied over them, and they've prophesied over many people here. Now, he's a preacher, so I'm not giving him the microphone. <laughs> he's smart. I, I can already tell you, he's going to tell you how much he loves you, how much he loves me, how much he loves this church. They're sad, and it's been hard, and they've wrestled with leaving. You can give it to me, though. I'm safe. All right. Um, I just wanted to say that I really grew up here in the Lord. You want to hold her? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, um, And I just want to encourage everybody that no matter what you come out of, that God wants you and that he wants you to pursue him. And um, it hasn't always been easy. I mean, he delivered me from witchcraft. He delivered me from an eating disorder. He delivered me from um, shame and guilt and and so much, and it was here through relationship with Jesus and relationship with people that I came out of a lot of trauma, really, a lot of trauma in my childhood, and just people loved me here, and so no matter what it is, no matter what people have told you, 
God is for you, and no matter where you are, he wants to meet you in that place, and this is a safe place to do that, and uh, it's kind of like a cast. I thought of it as a cast because, you know, it's the Lord who does the healing, but this is an environment that, that just really provides the nourishment to heal, so I want to encourage everybody and just say thank you for all that you've sown into my life um, over the years. So, God bless you guys. Okay, stretch your hands towards them. And by the way, this is a miracle baby. And she's got a promise on her life. We've already prophesied over her when she was in the womb. She's going to fulfill the call of God. And you guys are going to set an incredible standard and example of what kingdom life and normal and family looks like in Austin, Texas. Because they need it bad right? But you're always going to be family to us. We love you. We propel you. We release you with God's presence and life and fire to find the family or to build the family that God has destined for you guys to have and be a part of. So Lord, we just thank you so much for Leah and Sterling and baby Gracie. And we just anoint her life right now. And we thank you, God, that she is a sign and wonder of the beauty and radiance of who you are. And I thank you for the prophetic call on her life and on this marriage, and that, Lord, they'll only grow stronger, closer, be more comforted, helped, and healed, and find right family. And I thank you, Lord, that they're released to go and grow, go and grow, go and grow to all that the Lord has for you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. They'll be hanging around a little bit after service for you guys to give them some hugs, okay? Love you guys. So here's what we need. We're going to pray for you right now. If you're not born again or you think you might be, don't take a chance. Don't take a chance. I will say to you that I don't question heart motives, but I do question actions. And when somebody claims to be a born-again Christian but they continue to practice and live in sin, many times the fruit in their life is indicative of what's happened inside of them spiritually. So we don't take chances. Make sure that you're born again. Make sure you've surrendered all. Make sure you've given your life to Jesus and confessed him as your Lord and stay in the process. I know some of y'all are that hard-headed one that I talked about. I'm going to stick with you. We'll stick with you here. But today... If you're battling mental anguish, fear, anxiety, worry, if you have not been dialed in with the Holy Spirit to spiritual realities, discovering illumination, being led, guided, helped, controlled, and dominated by the Holy Spirit, and you want to say, Lord, dominate me. I'm tired of doing it my way. We're going to pray for you. And I want to ask you to let somebody stand with you because biblically laying on of hands is important. You know why? Because God loves to invade spaces and he loves to use his people to do it. And sometimes when you're hurting, broken, or struggling, you just need somebody to stand with you and pray for you. All right? Let's all stand.